I am Andrea Butcher, and this is Being at Work. Being a leader is hard. So on this show, I set out to talk with experienced leaders to learn from their pivotal moments, how they led through the challenges we can all relate to but are often unheard. Today's pivotal moment is shared by Jim Piazza, Director of Data Center Operations at Facebook. You know those people who are just really easy to be around? Well, that's the kind of person that Jim Piazza is. I've known Jim for many years, and I've had the pleasure of seeing him in action. He's a servant leader who takes the time to connect with others while lifting them up. I saw Jim work in a fast-paced, driven environment, and even in the midst of a lot of chaos, he was always present, kind, and interested in what others had to say. Listen in as Jim shares a difficult time in his career in which he was forced to make an unpopular decision. So my journey's been, I think, an interesting one. It's certainly been interesting to me. I started off, you know, really interested in technology. And I, I still do to this day. I mean, I have loads of gadgets and all kinds of stuff. And I'm definitely a gadget guy. You know, something <laughs> new comes out in the market and I'm an early adopter, as they say. Um, so I started my career, you know, actually doing programming and decided that, you know, the programming thing just wasn't, wasn't for me. I, I could get by and I was okay at it, but I wasn't anything spectacular. And so I made the transition to go kind of into hardware and did a little work for Hewlett Packard, uh, and actually showing my age a little bit, worked on the LaserJet 2, uh, <laughs> for those that can remember that far back. And so that was kind of fun. But where I ended up gravitating to was I really liked the idea of connecting things. And so being in a systems integrator, I worked for a company called DataSafe in Massachusetts, where we were, you know, integrating a variety of different systems. And it was everything from banks to insurance companies to, you know, uh, think tanks and so on, where they just needed a network that could do X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. And so I really liked the idea of shipping bytes, you know, uh, bits and bytes around, you know, networks and around the internet. And so that's kind of where I started to get involved in that. And so from there, I went to a company called Information Mapping, which was this really interesting think tank where they had a bunch of uh, doctors on board that, that basically had figured out uh, a method to get people to retain information for a longer period of time and absorb more information. And so uh, that was a really interesting kind of connection point for me just on how people connect with information. And then from there, I went and took my first stab into the co-location industry, which was a brand new industry back in good old 1999, where, you know, people had started to think of data centers as these monolithic buildings uh, that housed or were housed, housing one company's information to a shared platform. And it was really interesting to see that idea take off to where you would have multiple companies obviously come in and rent, you know, space, but then the relationships that would get formed between companies in this co-location space was actually something kind of unique and different. Uh, So from that, you know, that's where uh, when I worked for Exodus that I had uh, initially started to get more into project management and program management and actually ended up, that was my very first manager job. And so I started managing uh, the project management uh, team in Virginia, which started off as like three of us. And here's this kid who doesn't know anything about managing people, <laughs> now managing three really like high potential, high energy, super technical project managers 
And it was like, what the heck am I doing? <laughs> Sounds like your kind of people though. It, it, they totally were my kind of people. And it was super fun because, you know, we worked a lot of long hours together. And I think that's where I learned my first lesson in managing people was you really need to know the people that you work with uh, every day. And mm -hmm. it became really important to me to get to know them on a personal level and still very good friends with them today. In fact, mm -hmm. uh, uh, the person that hired me there, uh, I consider to be my mentor, and I still talk to him, uh, you know, every every so often as well. So, to me, that was something that was really important and born out of that. That said, that also came with its share of challenges because I think everybody probably remembers, uh, you know, the late '90s were you know the dot com boom, uh, aka the bubble, and it was a really fast paced time just in the industry and in my career and. You know, getting to work with companies that were just starting to get on the internet, you know, companies like Yahoo and Google and Microsoft were all taking down space in our co-location uh, facilities. And so I got to know a lot of the, a lot of the folks in those companies. A lot of them are, are still there today. And it was incredible. I mean, just, you would work, you know, 12, 14 hours a day and you went home very tired at night, but feeling very rewarded because man, we just got like, you know, another, you know, big presence of, you know, of one of these companies on net. And some of them were doing things that nobody had ever thought of before, you know, um, just around, you know, starting to do the first, you know, internet shopping and internet e-commerce was brand new at the time. And it was super fun and super exciting. And as a result, we had all this demand kind of surging up. And as a result, we just hired by the time, you know, 2000, 2001 hit, this little team of three project managers was now a team of 20 project managers uh, working with all these huge upcoming, really exciting business model kind of new companies. Really, really interesting time. But as we all know, uh, that bubble burst and things went uh, the other way in a very rapid uh, succession. And so, you know, that was where I think I learned, you know, another good lesson, which I'd love to tell you a story about today. And the story goes like this. So we had this, this great uh, surge of activity, which was fantastic and fun. It was equally not fun going the other direction um, and really a tough time for me personally as a leader. As I mentioned, you know, kind of getting to know your team and the people you work with on a, on a personal level as well is important from a leadership perspective, but you start to develop these really close relationships with people where, you know, you consider these people your friends. And I still, you know, believe that today and I still feel like that today that uh, the people on my team are extended members of my family. But when you start to go through a downturn and you start to see the way that that affects people, it, it's really, it really kind of hits you, you know, in your heart. And so I, I remember very specifically this conversation and at the time, we were a sales-led company. And I think we all know, you know, being leaders, there's some companies that are operationally led, whereas, you know, the operations team kind of has a little bit more clout. Uh, in other companies, it's more sales-led. And at the time, we were absolutely a sales-led company. And not going to name names, but, uh, but we had uh, myself and the sales VP were the, the kind of two leaders on site. I think at that time, I might have been running... I don't know, 10 or 15 data centers for this company. And so uh, the word came down that we were going to have to start doing layoffs. And, uh, you know, the reductions in force, you know, carry a slew of, 
not only legal requirements, uh, company requirements, but then, of course, there's the personal aspect of it. And so we got into a room together with our HR leadership, and they hadn't developed any talking points or anything yet. And here I am, you know, I've maybe been managing for a couple of years at this point, so I'm not super experienced in this. But the sales VP is, you know, we're sitting in the room, and, and uh, they said, well, we need to develop what we're going to say. And I said, yeah, we, we absolutely do because we're about to, you know, make this major reduction in force. And uh, they said, well, you know, we'll tell them. We'll tell them that things just couldn't be better. And I paused. And I said, what are you talking about? And they said, well, you know, we have to give them some hope and we have to tell them that, you know, you know this is really for the survival of the company and the rest of the employees. And I said, hold on a second. I completely disagree with this approach. I said, you're taking something that is going to affect people's livelihood and going to affect the way that they're putting food on the table for their family and the way that they're making their mortgage payments and the way that they're, you know, supporting themselves to all of a sudden try to turn this into something positive when it's not. And it was a really unpopular thing to say. And I had to make a decision. And just prior to, to that coming out, I kind of had to pause because I said, I can, I can do one of two things here. I can either kind of quote unquote, toe the company line and just say, okay, sounds good. Or I can do what I know is right in my heart or what I feel is right in my heart. And I just couldn't get behind trying to paint this off as something positive when it's not. I mean, these people were people that I had been, you know, arm in arm with at two o'clock in the morning in the data center, you know, pulling cable for the next customer that's coming in and ordering pizza and, you know, uh, working really, really hard to make sure that we were, you know, making our customers' commitments. How could I possibly look these people in the eye and say, things just couldn't be better? I can't. I couldn't compromise the way that I felt or the way that I believed just because it was the thing that was the easiest route to take. It just wasn't who I was. And to this day, you know, if I was put in the same situation again, I know I would do the exact same thing. Well, so how did that play out? So unpopular, you're, the direction you wanted to take, right? So I suspect that's what you ended up doing. I did. In fact, you know, we, we had uh, subsequent further decisions to make, like um, how do we actually go through the process and all of that. And I said, I'm going to sit one-on-one -on -one with every person that we're laying off, and I'm going to talk to them as a person. I'm going to offer my support. I'm going to say, I'm not going to say, you know, things just couldn't be better. I'm going to say, what can I do to help you? And in a lot of cases, I became personal references uh, for mm -hmm. people. I offered to you know, help them by opening up my network of people to see if there were other people that were hiring in the area or you know, close by that, that they could interview with. And I spent a lot of time, quite honestly, post that, um, helping to make connections between people um, to try to give them an avenue to kind of get themselves back on track. And, and so it was way more time consuming but I think in the end, for me personally, it was the right decision. I think in some way, I hope, you know, helped people with their careers uh, moving forward. I will tell you that, you know, internally, uh, I, I didn't really get along with the, the sales VP so much mm -hmm. after that. But it didn't stop my career. It didn't stop me growing from who I was as a person. Um, you know, I went on later to have very tight relationships with, uh, you know, other executives in the company. And... You know, in some way, while it was really, really difficult, and I hope to never, ever do that again in my career, yeah. there is a certain element of uh, regret of just having, you know, 
having got to that point and not not being able to do even more for those people that were that were affected. But uh, that said, you know, look, I, I went on to what I consider to be a very successful career uh, thus far. And we all define success in our own ways, you know, whether that's a title or whether it's money or whether it's helping people grow and, you know, uh, find out what their passions are, which is personally how I define success. Mm -hmm. uh, titles and money really don't mean anything at the end of the day. It's really about who you choose to be as a person and as a leader. Well, and isn't that consistent then with the choice that you made in that tough situation, right? You deferred to the relationships and your connection with those folks. And that's why you did what you did. A absolutely. And, and, you know, it's, it's interesting thinking back and looking back on it. I've had some great opportunities in my life and been fortunate enough to, you know, to build some organizations from the, the ground up. In fact, one of the orgs that, uh, that I built uh, that you're familiar with is, uh, you know, I built the, one of the consulting divisions for, for Savas. And a lot of the people that, uh, that literally I brought on board from day one and I are still friends. Um, and that was five years ago. And so we still talk and we still network and we still look for opportunities for each other. And we, you know what, we just kind of keep in touch just to see how, yeah. how each other is doing. So it's really, really rewarding for me personally to think about building organizations like that, that and this may sound a little cliche, but really stand the test of time from a personal yeah. relationship standpoint. That's yeah. really important to me. So how does someone that's so relationship oriented, how do you navigate challenging relationships like the sales VP? I mean, I think mm -hmm. we can all relate to challenging relationships like that. How do you maintain who you are and the relationship? How do you navigate that? That's a really good question. You know, I think part of it is you, you have to be, first and foremost, be honest with yourself. And again, I know that might sound a little cliche, but don't try to fit, you know, a square peg into a round hole. Uh, really, like, really take the time to go explain why you, why you feel the way you feel to a person that you're having a, you know, maybe a challenging relationship with. I've really struggled to find that if you don't open your, if you open yourself up to, to somebody like that, that you're having a challenge with, and you take the time to explain the, the rationale and the motive behind your intent, that they don't reciprocate and that they don't open themselves up back to you and mm -hmm. say, well, here's why I feel the way I feel. And it's, you can find some common ground between the two of you. And if you can find one, one thread that you can both kind of pull on and use as a baseline, you'll be able to self-navigate through that. I think yeah. that's, that's probably one of the better approaches that I've used. So find commonality, find, mm -hmm. find something that, that you share. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I will tell you, like, I, I know uh, we were both really passionate about the business and about how do we help dig the business out of the hole that it was in. And that was the common ground that we found. Yeah, and so we would good. end up talking about strategizing about what can we do collectively together that's going to materially shape the, the impact or the direction of the business going forward. And yeah. so we got together and that was our common thesis is, all right, what are we going to go do tomorrow? What are we going to go do next that's going to change this so that we don't put ourselves back in the situation again and we help the company at the same time? There's a win-win that we can find. And so we did. We, we found some really interesting partnerships and uh, some different ways to go about looking at the business. Um, and ultimately, we ended up presenting to the board uh, of directors together on some, uh, some ideas that we had on changing the company strategy. That's so good. Yeah. And, and if you would have continued to focus on your differences, would maybe never have gotten to that. Right. It's really about being open to finding that, that commonality. Yeah. Open. Being open. Isn't that key? So as you think back about that situation, as you're reflecting on it now, if you could go back to that moment 
you're being told what to say, you decided that does not feel right. What advice would you give to yourself? You know, the, the one thing that I wish that I had done maybe um, a little earlier was instead of just kind of, uh, you know, I use the term lash out, instead of just kind of lashing out and saying, I'm not saying that, like that's, mm. you know, ridiculous. Mm. Um, I think I would have been a little bit more sensitive to the other people in the, in, that were in the room uh, namely the, you know, the sales VP, the HR rep, because I think I probably came across as a little brash. And while in the long run that didn't, you know, affect myself or them in any, in any negative way, I think it was just an opportunity for me to reflect back that, hey, I'm not the only person in the room here. And let me really think about how what I'm about to say is going to affect them. Because, I mean, think about the HR person that's there, yeah. right? They're just trying to help. And Absolutely. me saying, hell no, I'm not saying that is probably not a helpful comment to make. Um, <laughs> so how do, I, how do I be more sensitive to, you know, to the other <laughs> folks in the room? I think that would be the advice I would give myself. Yeah. Yeah. When I was going through my coaching certification, they called it tentative talk. So asking a question like, mm, like tell me more about that. Hmm. How might that play out? How might that work? Because yeah, surely, I, I mean, I just can't even imagine them, someone suggesting it just, it feels, it feels foreign. It feels so false to suggest it, to someone who's losing their job, like, this is a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is absolutely foreign. And, and I think that's probably part of the reason. I think part of it was, I was just young and, and a uh, little yeah. naive and a little, uh, uh, but you know, I, I think part of it too was that it just shocked me completely that anybody would ever even propose something like that. Yeah, because these were people like you called your your family, their extended family, people right. that you cared so much about. So how how in the world could you sit and have a conversation like that with them? That's right. Yeah, that's right. Good. Yeah, that's that's definitely something that's foundational to your to your leadership, isn't it? Getting to know people and who they are, and just being real with them. Yeah, I mean, it really is. And I know some people. I've had some people say you should never like you should always keep that line between you know yourself and your employees. And I just don't operate like that. I mean, maybe it's wrong. Um, I don't know. But I just can't operate with a line between myself and really any other person. I really, you know, if, if somebody is in, you know, need or, you know, wants to talk about whatever might be going through their mind, uh, lately I've been divorce coach. Um, mm -hmm. And so I take that as a sign of uh, people being comfortable enough with me to talk to me about, some of their most personal moments in their yeah. lives. And I, you know, like I said, maybe that's wrong from a leadership standpoint, but that's just the way that I operate. Yeah. What, and why do you say, why do you think it's, it's wrong? Well, because I, you know, I've had people say to me, like, you should always keep like, you know, this line of delineation to where, you know, I'm sorry that you're going through something personal. Um, I don't want to know any more about it. Um, if you need time off, let me know. And like, that should be the line. And for me, you know, my, mine is what can I help you with? You know, I don't want to pry into anything that's personal for you, <clears throat> but know that I care about you as not only a person, uh, not only as, you know, a member of the team, but also as a person and uh, your happiness and your satisfaction and your success, I really I have a, a vested interest in. Mm -hmm. And so share with me whatever you're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. It's just been the, the, my kind of mode of operation mm. since I can remember. Well, yeah. So I'm going to be an amen to that. I mean, that's why this podcast is called Being at Work is because wherever you go, there you are. And so <laughs> I, people, people don't shut it off when they come to work. They bring all of their stuff with them. 
And are there times, I think for me, it's are there times when leaders aren't equipped if there are significant emotional issues they're not equipped to deal with? Right. Of course, that's why you have good EAP systems and processes and can refer to other people. But leaders have to know their constituents, what's happening in their lives. So I'm so glad to hear you say that. That's affirming. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think so, you know, and I really do believe if, if I'm going to spend, you know, 10 hours a day with a group of people that I respect, why wouldn't I form, you know, a relationship with them that enables us to have transparent communication about what's going on, not only in the business, but also in our lives. And to me, those relationships just yield way more fruit for me personally, and I hope for the people that mm-hmm. I interact with. Um, to to have long lasting like lifelong experiences like I would absolutely work for this person again or work with this person again, I just think that's really really important. And I think that you know to to build organizations that really function, it's like the old expression goes right. I, I guess I'm just coming up with cliches today, but culture eats strategy <laughs> for breakfast. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, and I just think that's the culture of the organization I want to work in. Well, yeah, and all of the research shows, I mean, those the way in which you're relating with your team members, those are the kind of things that drive engagement, that drive productivity, that drive connection, cohesion, alignment. All right, so we've got we've got research to back it up as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So if our listeners want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Uh, LinkedIn. LinkedIn's a great uh, connecting uh, mechanism for us. And uh, yeah, I'd be happy to connect on Good. LinkedIn. My big takeaways are just reminders to get to know the people that you're leading, listen to them, understand what's what's going on with them, what's challenging to them, and then don't be afraid to be an advocate for them when you're being asked to toe the party line with language that's inconsistent with your relationships. Voice that. Yeah, I think that's right on. Um, always be true to yourself. Always be true to what you believe. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a being at work story.